Hi, I'm Pastor Nick with Grace Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us in our online service. If you're interested, we also offer in-person service every Sunday morning at 1030. We have Wednesday night activities for youth, kids, and college age every Wednesday at 6 o'clock. And there's food there. So, now, let's see what the pastor has to say. From 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Now I see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I'm fully known. Each one of us that have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ are in that hope, in that life. And in that life, we have a relationship that God will never let disappear from us. A hope that is always there, a hope that we can never deny and will be never denied to us. Paul sought to follow Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And he began on that trip. I'm, I'm cutting in and out, guys. I guess y'all know that. Y'all know that too. I'll get out here just in case. We'll try this one. Paul shared that message from that trip to Damascus. We see in God's Word the testimony of a life lived for Him, of what it meant to be a servant of Christ, of what it meant to yield our lives and our hearts to Christ because of what He has done to us. And we become His servants. We become bonded him and nothing can separate us from that love that's what Paul talks about when he writes the church in Corinth he does the same thing with the church in Philippi he wrote that letter to the church in Philippi probably around 61 AD he's in prison in Rome now this is not the deep dark prison that we think of this is two years that Paul spent in in in, in Rome in a house under house arrest basically that's it but what happened the church in Philippi sought to help him, sought to be there to support him, encouraged him, probably helped pay for that house that he was renting. You know what Paul did the whole time he was in that Roman jail? He had people coming in to see him. He was testifying, he was sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with everyone he saw. And don't you know that that Roman guard that got stationed with him got an earful about what a relationship with Jesus is all about? I can't imagine Paul not taking that opportunity, those opportunities, for us to understand what it means to be what God would have us be. And if you are a believer, if you've trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior this morning, each one of us are called to be leaders. That's the title of the message as you see it. We are called to be leaders with Christ's heart within us. It's not our hearts because we've talked about that already. Our hearts must be, in order for us to do and be what Christ would have us be, they must be transplanted. It can't be about what we want to do. It's about serving Him and recognizing what it means for us to understand that we have given our lives, our hearts, our whole being to Him. Paul did that. And he tells us all throughout. If you want to read the history of Paul, read the book of Acts. If you want to read about his heart for those he loved, you read those letters that he wrote. The message that he shares, the heart that was his, was the heart of a servant yielded to his master. That's a hard thing for us to deal with in our lives today. We don't like that sound of that. None of us want to obey anybody. No one of us, 
Not one of us want to have somebody telling us what to do all the time. And yet that's what Christ seeks to do in each of our lives. But he guides us a lot better than I could ever hope to guide anybody. But he guides us in a way that changes our lives because of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That is the same encounter. We, we say we haven't had a Damascus experience. I've not had that light, that lightning bolt hit me and everybody around me not be able to see or hear. If you've trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and you've yielded your heart to him, the Holy Spirit is within you just as he was that day at Pentecost when those flames were above each of the believers, he is in your heart right now and he seeks to guide and direct you and he calls you from where you are to where you should be. How do we do that? How do we live our lives in such a way that the world sees and knows that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior? I think there are three ways that we see that. We see it through this message that David has shared with us already. What Paul does is he shares with us what it means to live our lives for Christ. And a heart, godly heart is certainly that of a servant's heart. Look with me in Philippians 2, verses 5 through 7. Your attitude should be that the same as that of Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But he made of himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. There's two things that Paul does in this passage. I want to get the first one. This is probably the most important one to us. Two things he does in those five verses right there. Very, very, very short, three verses. He tells us first that Jesus is God. Jesus is God incarnate. That in him we have the Godhead living. He is part of, the, of what God is and who God is. We see God the Father God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And Paul doesn't want us to have any doubt as he writes to us now about what that means, that he is there. The other thing is that he tells us about Jesus is that Jesus didn't seek to grasp that which was not his. God has a plan. Do I understand it? Don't ask me to explain the Trinity to you, all right? There'll be lots of people around that say, well, I think it's like, or I think it's like. You know what? God didn't give me the capability to understand how three things can be one, but he's done it. And I thank God for each of the presence that is his in our lives. That God the Father is there for us to listen to us, to forgive us, and to guide us. That God the Father sent his one and only son to die on Calvary's cross for your sins and for my sins that they might be forgiven. And that in that forgiveness, we are promised that he will never leave us. Not one of us in this room has ever seen Jesus Christ face to face. I have the promise of that. We just read about that in 1 Corinthians 13. We know those believers, those family members that are ours who have done that and seen Jesus face to face. But as to now, what God has given us, Jesus has shared with us, is his Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit seeks to guide and direct us and everything he says and everything he does gives glory to the savior to the one who gave his life and heart for us that's how paul begins this letter that's a pretty powerful letter i usually just put dear karen at the top of mine paul does it with a point i love you 
I love you because Christ loved you first. I love you because I need to share that message with you. I love you because God has shown me what that real love is all about. Believers, never forget what it means to follow. Look at that phrase in verse 6. Do you see it? Being in very nature God literally means existing in the form of God. Jesus was God. Paul establishes that. He doesn't want us to have any doubt about that. But what it is, it's an outward manifestation of that which was in. That is what you and I are called to do as believers. Do you understand that same principle? Think about it. With Jesus Christ as Lord of our lives and in our hearts, what people should see when they see us, man, this is scary, isn't it? Is the face of Christ. Jesus' face. Jesus' love. Jesus' compassion. Jesus' mercy. How well do we do that? Ask Karen about me. Don't trust. Don't trust what you see sometimes. Just ask Karen. There are times in my life where I do not show the love of Christ. There are decisions that I make I know that are counter what he would have me do. But I thank God for the fact that your lives are not dependent upon the life of Bob Fulkerson. As believers, your lives are dependent upon the same Savior who forgave me. And he does that in our lives. And he seeks to change us and make us not what we were, but what we should be. What God's desire is for each of us, that he would have communion with us. And the only way, the only way that that can happen is through Jesus Christ and his love for us. Those sins that are ours are a barrier to us ever coming to him. God is a holy God and can't stand the sight of the sin that's in our lives. But when I come to Jesus Christ and pray, when you come to Jesus Christ and pray, in his name, your life, your prayers, your sins are covered by his blood. That is our hope. He is our hope. He is our life. And that is why we seek to serve him. That is why Paul did all those things that he did. Went all those places that he knew he shouldn't be going. He went to Rome. He knew better than go to Rome. But it's the same thing that Jesus did with his disciples. Do you remember what they told Jesus when he said, I'm going to Jerusalem? What, are you crazy? Jesus, what are you talking about? Don't you know those people are going to kill you there? They told you they were going to kill you. You can't go back there. Paul didn't have any choice but to go to Rome. Why? Because he was called by the master, Jesus Christ, to go there and be there and do just as he was called to go to Macedonia, just as he was called to go to Philippi, just as he was called to go to all the places that he went. He did that answering Christ's call in his life. He's doing the same thing with you and with me right now. He calls us. And sometimes we don't listen. Sometimes, I tell you what, sometimes we turn our backs and pretend that we don't hear him. But we already know what he's going to have us do. We already know where he wants us to go. And yet we still don't listen. Christ calls us to obey him. If Jesus Christ is not Lord of your life, you don't have a life 
because you don't have a Lord. He is the one that we yield ourselves to. He is the one that Paul has given his life to. He is the one that has shared life with us. What we have to do is let go of the things of this world. It's a hard thing for us to do because as Jesus didn't seek to grasp that which was not his, that being the Father's, so we're not to grasp the things of this world, to have them overwhelm us. In Indonesia, they have a simple means of catching monkeys. I need a mo oh, volunteer. <laughs> Thank you, Ron. That was, man, you came up quickly. You know what they do? They take a vase kind of like this. Get here where everybody can see you, Ron. Ron is my monkey today, all right? His, his, his daughter and his son-in-law love that. Don't you wish that your son was here to see this? You know what they do? They put this in the forest, and then they tie a rope around the bottom of it. But they use a glass jar just like this, or similar to this. I want you to watch. Ron is going to demonstrate what those monkeys do. Ron, see, you could have done this too, Chris. Stick your hand in there and grab that apple. There you go. Now, hold on to it real tight. Put it in. Now, go ahead and pull it out. Don't break the glass, Ron. It won't come out. It won't, it won't come out. There's only one way. <laughs> there's only one way that Ron can get his hand out of this trap. Do you understand it? Ron, you know what that is, don't you? Show him. Thank you, Ron. What is it in your life? What is it that's going on with you that you just can't let go of? The rich young ruler? What was it? What did he say? All of these things I have done. And Jesus responded to him. This one thing you lack, take all that you have, go and sell it, give it to the more, and come and follow me. What happened with that young man? And he went away because he had much wealth. Most of us in this room don't have a problem with having too much money. But we talked about that in Sunday school this morning. There's all kinds of other things that we have. All kinds of other things that are gods to us that we don't want to let go because they're so important to us. Our will, our way, our desires, our purpose. What does God call us to do? Just let it go. Just let it go. And come and follow me. And we follow him how? We follow him as his servants. That's what it means to have a servant heart. That you look at other people the same way that Jesus Christ looks at you. That you treat other people the same way that Jesus Christ treats you. That you love other people, not for what they can give to you or you can get from them to grasp, but you love them because Christ died for them. That's the message of what it means for us to understand that relationship we have with Jesus as servants. 
If you find that you're doing and getting most everything that you want, there's a good chance that you're not understanding what it means to be a servant of Jesus Christ. In Matthew 20, verse 25 and following, Jesus talked about that with his disciples. Jesus called the disciples together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles hold it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first of you must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life is a ransom. Jesus came out of the love he has for us. We're called to follow him as servants because of our hearts having been given to him. Secondly, a godly heart is a humble heart. Look at verses 5 and 8. We're not going to read 6 and 7 right now. We've already taken a look at those. Your attitude should be the same as that is Christ Jesus. And then Philippians 2.8. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. He humbled himself completely. And he took the cross upon him. You can't get more humiliated than that. Do you realize that? That was the whole, that's what the Romans were doing. Their purpose and point and those people that they crucified was to humiliate them. And all the pictures that you see of Jesus up there with the napkin around him. Forget that. They put you up there naked for the whole world to see. The message behind the Roman world, we don't seek your life as a slave. We seek your life. God calls us to recognize what real humility is about. If you ever hear somebody say this, you know, I'm probably one of the most humble people. Did you hear that? I think, who was that said something? Mike said something about, Mike, I don't, I said, where'd you go? He's not even back here. Mike said something about, Bob's a humble person. That's a dangerous thing to hear about yourself. It's a worse thing to say about yourself. You know, I'm probably more humble than most people are. When somebody tells you that, when somebody shares that word, that message with you, you need to stop and listen. And what you're called to do is you're called, we're called to do, is to look at lives and evaluate their relationship with you, that is Jesus Christ, and what it is they want from you and what it is they desire from you. Humility is not something that we put upon ourselves Humility is something that is granted to us through Jesus Christ, and it's not natural. It isn't natural. It's not something that we want to do. We don't want to put others first. We don't want to lift others up. Why? Because we want to be there first. We want to be the first ones. We want to get the best. We want the best seats. What happened with James and John? I keep bringing them up a lot lately. Did they understand did Salome, did their mom understand what it meant to be first in the kingdom of God? They didn't get it. They didn't understand. Lord, grant it that both of these, my sons, might be 
first in your kingdom, one on your left and one on your right. Jesus doesn't ask Salome this question. She asks James and John, are you able to bear the burden of what you're asking for? You know how they answered? This sounds like humility, doesn't it? Yes, Lord, we're able. We can do it. We're ready. Did Peter think he was ready? Yes. And what did he do? Three times he denied he even knew Jesus. We see all the others running because they were afraid of what might happen. It is so easy in our lives to lose the sight of what Christ's humility is all about because we can't see it in ourselves. There's a call for each of us to recognize what it means to yield our lives. I've shared this with you before here from this pulpit. That word yield in the city of Evansville means absolutely nothing. And the word stop is no different. Mark tells us this about Jesus. In Mark 10, see if this sounds familiar to you. Mark 10, 42, Jesus called the disciples together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you to be a slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life for many. Mark put down the same thing, the same message. Why do you think that's the case? It's not verbatim. They're different. But it's sure the same message. Because Jesus is trying to communicate to us what it means to be a servant. There is no such thing as a proud, self-serving servant. A servant serves the master. A servant yields his or her life to the master. A servant is ready to wait on the master. The disciples didn't understand that. Jesus takes off his outer garment, washes their feet. What does he tell them? Now that I, your Lord and master, have done this for you, blessed are you if you do it for one another. We're called to recognize what Jesus' humility wasn't a false humility. It wasn't that idea of saying, hey, I'm humble, look at me, watch me. He demonstrated that in everything he said and everything he did. And our lives are to be a mirror of what his life was. That people see us now, when they see him, they're looking at us by the things that we do and the things that we say. And people will ask you, well, I don't understand why you did what you did. How, how could you? Have you ever have you given something to somebody? I don't understand this. I'll tell you what, believers. If you don't say these words, if you don't share the testimony that is ours in the food pantry or in the line at the grocery store or to the person you see on the street, if you don't share these words because Jesus Christ has done the very same for me. You've missed what it means to be reflective of the love of Christ lived out in your life. That's the whole reason. Why? Why? Why is this important to you? Because Christ commands us. Christ 
calls us to be his servants. And we do so in humility because we recognize that we're unworthy of what Christ has done for us. We recognize what it means for us to know that there's nothing about who we are and what we are that makes us any more special than anything that anyone else has done. James shares that idea this way in James 3, 27. A man can receive only what is given to him from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Christ, but I am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him. And in this full joy, when he hears the bridegroom's voice, that joy is mine and is now complete. He must become greater and I must become less. That was not James, that was John 3.27. You know who was talking there? That was John the Baptist, right? Remember what happened? John had great crowds coming out to see him. People were thronging out in the middle of the desert to come see this guy dressed in camel skin and eating locusts and honey. But when he baptized Jesus, John heard the testimony. John already knew the testimony. And what does he say? I must decrease. He will increase. That should be at the heart of every one of us here this morning who have trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You want to see this building full again? You want to see people coming to know Christ and trusting Him as Lord and Savior? Take that attitude. Take that attitude of what it means. It doesn't mean that we're, being humble doesn't mean we're hangdog. I don't know if y'all know what that means. Nick does. I do. It means that you walk around like this all the time with your head down, so despondent that you don't know what to do. No, that's exactly opposite of what we ought to be. We ought to be proud of this relationship we ought to be, be, be a part of. We ought to be willing to share it daily with people that see us. And we are not defeated. We are the victors because of what Christ has done for us. We are called to be servants. We are called in Christ to be humble. This is the hard part. <laughs> that last word starts with an O. In Christ, we're called to have obedient hearts. Look with me again in Philippians 2, 5, and then Philippians 2, 8b. Your attitude should be the same of that as Christ Jesus and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Jesus Christ demonstrated what real obedience is all about. He yielded his life to the will of the Father. We are called to will our lives to him and say, here it is, Lord, take it, use it. But this is what happens with me. Okay, Lord, all to thee I surrender, all to thee I freely give. Well, that word all is pretty inclusive, you know. You know what that means. I think all the things that I really don't care that much about, all those things that aren't really that important to me, I'm going to give all those things to you, and I'm going to hang on to these things. Do you remember the story of Saul 
and the Amalekites. Samuel nails him. Actually, God nails him. God gives him victory before he even goes into battle over the Malachites. There's no way the Jews should have defeated the Malachites. They were great people, large armies, great cities. There's no way they should be able to do anything against them. And so they go up against, the Israelites go against King Agog. And you know what happens? God kept his promise. They did everything. The Israelites defeated this nation that they should have never hoped to. There may be something going on in your life right now that you're just unable to handle. You're unable to deal with it. It's something that just keeps coming back and you can't let it go. It's habitual in your life. It's always there. And it's the crutch that you use. People talk about, the world talks about us having a crutch in our faith. You tell me, how many people do you know that have a crutch that they're dependent upon today? That thing that they run to when everything goes bad. That thing that is so important to them when the times really get rough. That's where they go. In Christ, that's where we're supposed to be going. And what happens is the battle is over, the victory is won, everybody's celebrating, and Samuel shows up. And he asks Saul this question. Did you do what the Lord told you to do? Did you do and live your life the way the Lord called you to? Isaiah, Samuel, 1 Samuel 15, 14. Samuel said this as he's talking to Saul there out in the field. What then is this bleeding of sheep in my ears? What is this lowing of cattle that I hear? That's Bob. That's me. How often does Jesus Christ hear the bleeding of cattle in his ears? And the lowing of cattle. He hears those things. When I don't do as he's called me to, when I rely on my own abilities to do what God has called me to and not his, when I take credit for something that he's done, God gives us that ability to yield our lives to him in such a way that the world sees and knows. Peter got a lot of stuff wrong, he messed up a lot. But I want you to listen to his words in 1 Peter 1, verses 13 through 15. This is the guy that quit. This is the guy that gave up. This is the guy that denied. This is the guy that failed. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be, be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, don't conform any longer to the evil desires that you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he called you to be holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Jesus is sharing those words with each of us. What expectations does he have of us? He expects us to be just like him. What would happen if Jesus graded on a curve? 
Uh, I could have fit that. I'm looking at Ron over here. I think Ron was the kind of student I was too. You know what? A C. You get by with a C. You can play ball with a C. Maybe even a D. I don't know if that's the way it was, Ron. I've forgotten that. I don't think I ever got a D. Oh, well, wait a minute now. What does he expect from us? This, is, this, this sounds hard, all right? You know what he expects of us? Perfection. But Peter explains to us what that word means in Jesus' language. Be holy even as I am holy. You know what God sees when he sees the sinful Bob standing before him? He sees the sinful Bob, but he's no longer the only one there. He sees the blood of Jesus Christ covering me. That makes the difference for us. Jesus paid the price. Jesus gave it all. And that we recognize that and we live for that. Years ago, this is back in the 1800s. You know, this is an old preacher story. Ray was there uh, in the 1800s. Ray Dieter, y'all know that. So Ray, if you're listening, remember this. Now, there was a missionary that was leaving from Liverpool. And he was going to Logos, Nigeria. You sailed back then to get from one place to another. And it took him months to get there. And when he got the Logos, he got on a ship, a small boat actually, to make that final trip from where he was going. And the guy that was taking him there was an old seafarer. All you Navy guys remember this. And he looked at this guy and he said, man, you know that is a, a mosquito-infected it's a bog you're going to. You're going to live in a swamp. And this is what he said. You're going to die. You know what that man, that missionary from Liverpool, England said? I died in Liverpool eight years ago. In our lives... We are called to be obedient to Christ. We are called to be servants of Christ. We are called to be humble in recognizing what it means to give our lives to him. If you've never done that, if you've never talked to God about the needs that are in your life, this is all it takes. That if we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts that are yielded to God, that God has raised his one and only son from the grave. Paul tells us this, you shall be saved. That we yield our lives as servants of our master. That we recognize that we can be just as humble as he was by the infilling of his Holy Spirit in our lives. And we are called to be obedient to him. And we come before him and thank him for the love that he has demonstrated to us. And we show that to the world. That everyone who sees and everyone who hears the words that are ours know that we belong to Jesus. Please join with me in prayer. Father, we thank you this day. <clears throat> 
for the love that you have for us. I thank you, Father, for the heart that is yours. I know that I'm putting things that, you, that we have a hard time understanding, Father. I know I, my picture of you is not David uh, and you reaching out, touching hands. My, my love for you is just that you, you just love me. And I thank you for that. The heart, the nature, the purpose that you have for us is that we would understand how much you love us. For you gave your one and only son to die on Calvary's cross for us because you loved us. And we were lost and without you. But when we claim Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, our lives have been changed. And you no longer see the sin that would rule us. You see the Savior that is in us. And we thank you for that relationship. Father, my prayer would be that today, if there's one here that's never made that claim, someone that's never trusted you as Lord and Savior, today would be the day. Father, there are other folks here, including me, that need to evaluate our lives, and we stop and we say, what kind of servant am I? I ask you for your forgiveness, and I thank you for the fact that that's a part of the deal I get with you in Christ is that the sins that are mine, all I have to do is bring them to you and ask for forgiveness. And you're ready to do that because of what Christ has done for me. But then I've got to change. And I've got to be that servant who understands what it means to serve the master. And in serving the master, I need to obey him. And wherever he sends, I'll go. Whatever he says, I'll do. Help us, Father, to recognize the call that you have for each of us this morning. And we'll give you all the glory and the honor, for we ask these things in the strong name of your one and only Son, Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to another service with Grace Baptist Church. If you would like to contact us, all of our information is available on our website, gbcevansville.org. You can also contact us through all of our various social media accounts. Or you could just give us a call. We'd love to hear from you.